Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Place Podcast. I am Simon Vaz, and we are carrying on with our slightly different format. Uh, and this time around, we have the mayor of Bedford with us, Dave Hodgson. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, how are you? I'm okay, thank you very much. Yep, nice day outside, which is always good. <laughs> yes, it would be better if we could be outside, unfortunately. Indeed, indeed it would, yeah. I've got a couple of questions for you. With this new format from the podcast, we are trying to understand a little bit more of how people are coping with the current situation. And so we want to hear from all sorts of different people, trying to understand how this situation is affecting different members of the community. So to start with, the first question I should ask is, how has the current pandemic changed the way that you approach your work? It's definitely changed the way I do the work. So you know, far more of this kind of stuff. So uh, Zoom is my, my preferred option, but Skype, MS Teams, WebEx, phone conferencing. And I think we're getting much better at using them and interacting and people are being pretty good at being on mute if they're not speaking, those kind of things, they're not getting the background noise and, uh, and people you wouldn't have expected to be using that. And it's been some good social stories I've heard is about... Uh, families that have used the lockdown uh, that live uh, internationally deciding they're all going to get together once a week that they never did before the lockdown and they're going to do this after the lockdown so there are some positives so the way I worked has changed because I think I've been out in the last seven weeks apart from walks four times to pick up stuff for, for work so it's, it's massively changed the way in terms of the approach I don't think it has massively stuff is far more immediate so some of the stuff the government is is telling us to do is unclear and they might make an announcement at five o'clock that means that people's expectation it will be delivered the next day and that's mm -hmm. not all the case and, and many times it's the council will do this tomorrow uh, and sometimes the day after the day you're meant to deliver it you get the email to tell you what you meant to deliver it so it's far more immediate than the normal but I've tried to have a structure to my day so I, I, I get up and I get dressed for work because I think that helps I'm somebody that if I take my tie off, I'm no longer at work. So it's sort of there's a, a release of pressure when you take your tie off. So I try to do the same thing. So I think having structure when the days all merge into one it is quite important. It's quite important for me, and I suspect it is for many people. So it hasn't it hasn't changed the approach. There are things that need to be done. There are just more things that need to be done quicker, and you don't seem to have the control of many of those. Mm -hmm. So it's not the approach to work, I think, that remains. It's the way we do the work in virtual meetings, in phone calls, in making sure you set up a home office. So I'm, I'm lucky enough that I've taken over the dining room and two computers and tend to take over the entire dining table mm -hmm. where my wife works upstairs. Uh, and strangely, sort of where we still catch up at the end of the day, despite them um, uh, being in the same uh, building. Sort of we meet uh, if she comes down. So I am only, I think, 12 steps from the coffee machine. Um, lucky enough to have a coffee machine and only 10 steps in the fridge which is far more worrying because it is far <laughs> too close so I think those things have changed in terms of the the way I do know it but probably not the approach to work there are still lots to do and still has to be done it's just the way we do it has changed and that's been true across the whole council so we have over 900 people working from home and on the whole that's worked very well and I've got to thank our IT department and managed that to work there are some people that have got some very special software that are struggling with their bandwidth and we're trying to make sure people at home have a, a setup that doesn't mean they sit on their um, 
on, on their armchair with their laptop in their knee because that's not bad good for anybody so we're trying to sort that out but as I say this you know this happened very quickly and the ability to have laptop stands and keyboards and, and tables because somebody wasn't there but uh, I think people have done well but there is some issues with some IT across the board and of course if you live somewhere that hasn't got broadband then that's very difficult wherever you work to work from home. Do you find that you do you set yourself times to either start working or take breaks or Never done set time for breaks. The coffee machine being too close is, is means it's always at hand and I've mm-hmm. probably increased my coffee intake, <laughs> which is probably not good, but I, the rest of the diet is good. So no, I you know, I start work at eight and probably finish the normal day at seven, but that can extend. So quite a lot of trying to communicate via Skype and Zoom with various groups. So a twice weekly update for councillors that uh, is repeat Wednesday and Saturday morning and lots of councillors come in and ask questions and answer the questions as well. But also the senior management team was a daily meeting it's now three times a week just to see where we are and to chase up the stuff so I think a set time but not a set time for for sort of having breaks I get told off yeah told off the right word for not sort of exercising rolling my shoulders and making sure that the neck and shoulders are are used properly and I Mm -hmm. exercise so I repeatedly get told by my wife that I need to be doing more (laughs) rolling of my shoulders and everything and I and that's that's not just um, in lockdown that's all the time yeah. <laughs> that I need to do more. So yes, just gets accentuated. Yeah, absolutely. You've touched a little bit on uh, what I wanted to ask as my second question, but I kind of want to delve into it a little bit more, which is mm. what has been the hardest aspect to manage during this this whole situation? This can be either professionally or, or on a mm. personal level. Probably I'll do both. But I mean, the from very early on, we knew that care workers were going to be the the pinch point mm-hmm. we just had looked from around europe at some of the experience in care homes and so we went out to advert very early to try and get some more care workers knowing that if they had to self-isolate then that could be a massive pinch point and it's nice to see the government sort of about five weeks later did adverts as well but all the way through as they're the front line and, and very early on in march the, the the hospitals anybody that could they got them out of hospital to free up beds so that in a large number of cases meant going to the care homes and an extra pressure on them and then we've seen the lack of PPE you've seen on the, on the media the, mm-hmm. the lack of PPE and at one stage we were only 36 hours away from not having any PPE for our care staff you can imagine the preceding 24 hours was quite intense yeah as we were promised deliveries and deliveries turned up late and then only half of the, what we were promised was in there and then the second delivery came and it wasn't in the, everything in it so trying to make sure we have PPE for the care staff has been a one of the most difficult things so care staff PPE and then testing mm-hmm. only today we were told we have a, a temporary testing site at Borough Hall today would be there at eight o'clock opened at nine at ten o'clock it wasn't there so knowing how people can get tested they don't seem to be enough tested don't seem to be easy enough to to actually get testing uh, for frontline staff and that talk about care staff and that other staff as well social workers that go to visit uh, vulnerable families and need pp if they're going there they're trying to have their meetings virtually if they can but in some cases it's not appropriate or possible to do that you know, council's job is extensively to look after the most vulnerable people in society and our people that deliver those services need to be protected so my job is to make sure that we can deliver those services and a lot of that has been around PPE and testing. If somebody has got COVID-19 symptoms, then they should isolate for the for 14 days, but actually it may not be COVID-19. We've seen this with hospital staff, you know, 
people that haven't got COVID-19 are isolating for 14 days when they don't need to. Um, that's a waste of resource, taking people as human resources. So that's been a, a big issue. Trying to use the, we set up a community hub that's delivered um, well over 3,000 emergency food parcels and prescriptions and trying to look at the, the list we've had, the, the shielded list, the high runnable people's list that we get sent from government. So trying to do that has been a pressure, especially when you get a list unable to contact these people and the list comes through and 200 people, you have no telephone number, email or address. Not a surprise, you haven't been able to contact those kinds of things. Not a pressure mm. I deal with directly, but I am aware of it and know that we have to up that because these are 200 people that are highly vulnerable. Most of them, we've now knocked on the doors if we can't contact them to talk to them. But you always worry the one that you don't manage to contact is the one that is most vulnerable and lying on the floor. So that emergency and, and we've had a lot of volunteers knocking on doors and we already we are uh, in the next couple of days as well we just had the last list of those shielded lists come through to us from government so there's been a whole range of stuff that's uh, been the hard, hardest bit and often about the immediacy of having to do it and thinking if we have 4,000 names we need to contact them now it's not realistic we've got them as fast as we possibly can and on a personal level, it's strange that after sort of seven weeks, you begin to want to do things you would never want to do in your normal life. Like, I don't usually have any aspiration to walk around a shop, just to walk around a shop. But because you can't do it, I quite think yeah. I'd quite like to walk around a shop. <laughs> I suspect when it's possible, I probably won't. <laughs> but it's, it's part of life, isn't it? If you can't do it, you think, well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, to go for a walk that's longer than an hour would be nice. You know, to sort of think, okay, I don't have to worry about what I'm doing it. And and then maybe, so I've started walking, didn't didn't do much walking at all, didn't take the exercise that we should be doing and we're allowed to do. And I started doing it a week ago, thinking I need to get out and get some and some air. And, and very lucky to be near some very good parks, so Jubilee Park, Embankment, Priory Park, I can walk to. But I, I feel that because they're all on my doorstep, that I really shouldn't go to Harold and Odell Country Parks. So I'm, I'm not. Mm. But they think, well, I'd quite like to go to Harold and Odell Country Park. <laughs> I think that's one of the things I will do when the lockdown comes and, get, um, and walk around that. So there's a whole range of stuff you can't. And I think the um, the particularly hard things is is at family events you should go, should, you wanted to go to and were, were set to go to. So um, I had my great nephew's first birthday where my, my niece was organising a, a family get together for that and, and not being able to go to that. And she did a very good job with the four of them. They're up in, in Chester having a party and we all had to do a video for him, for him about saying happy birthday. So he, he's probably got the most recorded first birthday ever uh, of any family <laughs> member of ours. But my secretary also missed her granddaughter's third birthday. And I think that's really difficult with people, particularly in, you know when it's... Uh, she gets on very well with their granddaughter, but missing your granddaughter's third birthday when you're close to them must be very difficult. And yeah, I think those are some of the toughest things that we have to do. You know, a member of our staff had a, 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 that used to work for me had her 25th birthday, and there's a whole lot of people. Her sister set up a, a load of videos to do. But that's tough if um, she's working in London now and uh, lockdown with her sister. But having a 25th birthday party with just your sister... Um, when you'd expect to go out and celebrate. I think uh, remembering back that age, uh, 25 was the last bigger one, really, after 21. And then it sort of, uh, you, you try to uh, celebrate it in a more subdued manner. Yeah, it's 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 been, on, on, a, on a personal level for me, dealing with uh, family events that we can't attend to is, is also very complicated. I think I was, we were organizing myself going back home in June because my mother's 50th and now we probably won't be able to do that <laughs> so yeah. it's been it's been it's been complicated but it's you know the the sense that it's needed so it's we need to do this and then we can spend all the time we want together hopefully do you manage to so one of the things that families are doing and i'm 
phoning my dad a bit more. My sister's uh, up there and she goes to see my dad to social distance just to make sure uh, he's okay. They sit at the other ends of the, the reasonably long table, mm -hmm. but trying to get my dad onto Zoom. So trying to get older members of family. So he'll talk on the phone. He'll he WhatsApp and he Instagrams at 87, which is pretty good. But we're trying to get him to do some videos and to do face-to-face -face stuff. And I think that's, uh, if you can do that, I think that helps because mm -hmm. there is something different about this rather than uh, the, the Zoom kind of thing, rather than doing a phone call. I much prefer video conferencing than I do phone conferencing. Yeah, we, we, we managed to do that because obviously they are in a different country already. So we before this, we already did video conferencing. So it hasn't changed that we do it. It's just changed how often we do it, yeah. which we do it slightly more often. I think one of the things I'm hoping at the end, and I'm trying to look at positive things out of this, is I think that... Uh, there be more of this. So I think care homes, uh, a number of them actually started to do uh, FaceTime live or, or WhatsApp mm -hmm. phone calls or video conferencing. And I think it's something we'll be looking afterwards. Can we set up some infrastructure to allow people to talk to their uh, their loved ones more regularly without having to, uh, we don't want to stop them coming when it comes back, but actually how can we uh, embed that into every care home so that you can talk to them, so you can, you know, you could actually, a granny can read a, a story to granddaughter that's hundreds of miles away uh, at night, and I think those are things we've got to learn. So there are some positives that got to come out of it. Yeah. And I think we've got to, we've got to look, we are looking for those already about what we can say we currently do that we need to keep doing. One of the things that's, um, that we've had a lot of demand for is we've done online fitness um yes live, zoom live fitness uh, i do like this uh, the idea of sitting down yoga or gentle exercise the music sound quite good um, there are more strenuous things as well but we've already had demand that that continues because that's been accessed by people that uh, can't get out of the house the gentle exercise has done that uh, the, uh, the older end of all for uh, mobility reasons but also for uh, young parents that feel that they can't go to an exercise class because the children are running around but they can do it in their own home and so there's been some people say well can you please continue doing that and i'm, I'm sure we will continue that um so it allows some interaction where people wouldn't weren't leave able to leave the home before so i think those you know, those are the things we've got to pick from this and try and say okay what else can we do understanding that very nice to meet you like this but actually it's not the same as meeting person yes absolutely not absolutely not but it's uh, yeah i think i think it's we have to keep looking for positives and what we can take from this that we can then carry on and improve our life afterwards uh, i think that's yeah so you know will, will the place be doing webcast i think that we already have done webcasting at the place but will there be sort of a, a zoom enabled uh, production that you can come into zoom and look who at knows that. who knows but, yeah, i'm sure i'm sure they'll, you'll be looking at that you'll usually mm. try to be uh, at the leading edge yeah we try to my final question is i will change it slightly because we talked about, i was thinking about asking how are you coping with the with the situation on a personal level what have you been doing to relax but you touched on those points a little bit already so I think you spoke about how everything has been very immediate. There's a big immediacy about this, the whole situation. So I think, how have you been managing your own expectations to, to response, to work, to trying to, like you said, if you get 4,000 names and you think we need to contact them all today, how do then you manage that expectation of, no, okay, we're probably not going to be able to contact all 4,000. How has how that been in a way i think it's about how you eat an elephant isn't it you've got to, it's one bite at a time you need to start doing the job and get through it as quickly as possible 
We've been very lucky to have uh, a large number of volunteers at the community hub, about a thousand. We haven't used them all yet, and we managed to get an awful lot of DBS checks, so that, that's good. So we, we're, we're, we're clear about the safeguarding. There's a lot of things we don't need to be DBS checked. So it is just about making sure we start and try to have systems in place to, to track that and that uh, the systems I'm now pretty sure about, but the early days weren't quite back of an envelope but uh, compared to what they are now uh, that's the case it, it's it's also trying to identify so one of the things we do is look at that list and see if there's anybody we already know that is vulnerable in our systems so if they have already got some uh, a social worker working with them then we're almost certainly already contacting them so that that sort of comes off the list to, in, immediately because there's already a contact to another bit of the, of the council I think the other thing is that there are across the whole of the pandemic and, and the um, all the key workers, there are people working exceptionally hard and try to make time, make sure they have time off. So insisting that senior staff, um, and it doesn't sound like that, you know, actually have at least one day, they do not actually look at their emails per 14 days, but please mm. have a day off entirely uh, and uh, making sure that happens and almost enforcing that because um, I think you come back with renewed vigour if you have a day off. Of course. I'm I'm reasonably lucky in that uh, a bit of uh, uh, pretty uh, poor comedy on television late at night manages to clear my mind and make, make me go to, uh, to sleep reasonably easily with a smile on my face. Usually comedy, I know there's catch line to already because I've seen it several times before. Yeah. So you don't have to really concentrate on it. I've never had a paid for service or for many decades on TV, but there are lots of box sets. So I'm a, an NCIS fan and they're showing it from series, series one, episode one. So I'm recording those and watch and i'm both up to date at the moment um so that that's the ability to to watch some of those things okay we can't go out anywhere we'll we'll watch the that uh as sometimes i would just go through the emails and check we've done the, the, the nights which probably is not the best thing to do so i think that's important the garden uh in terms of lockdown you know, looking at people i'm i'd like everybody else i've got a pile of green waste that uh, <laughs> uh i need to get rid of hopefully we can make some announcements later this week about uh that we've got the green waste collections back but um uh, i've got far more than my green bins worth to do and mm -hmm. try to go for the walk so i think a lot of people will be hopefully a lot of people will be walking after this because again you're allowed to do it so you do your walk but it's i think in going back to the work stuff it's about trying to think ahead as well so we're already talking about um about what kind of things do we think we can bring back what things are just going to have to wait so trying to get the um the refuse collectors to social distance we do that it just means it slows down the refuse collections so they and that's the right thing to do so how do we do that when we open the tidy tip we will do it's we won't have as many people in there at one time yeah. so we're looking at how we bring services back and how we can bring them back safely and there's some amazing videos i saw one from one of the big uh, clothes retailers about how they expect shops to operate in social distancing with ppe my view about going around and wandering around a shop disappeared very quickly when i saw that um <laughs> because they no 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 we're not going to do that that's just too much fuss um i'll cope with the clothing i've got quite easily so it's trying to look ahead and thinking what we'll do so we've always had to cancel events and so it's a place we're looking at, you know, when you can go back, how do you go back and how do you make sure that you come out of this with renewal and new vigour to actually say, look, this, these things are available. You know, um, you've missed them for 12 weeks or whatever, or maybe longer in terms of theatre. Make sure you love them, make sure you use them. Mm -hmm. So those good things in life, we might just think a little bit more about and enjoy them a bit more because we've been denied them for so long. So we're trying to look at stuff. So River Festival, Kite Festival being postponed. So we've, that's till next year. And a lot of that is about the cost of when you postpone it. I was going up, I'm going up to Scotland, I hope, in August. I was going to do three days at Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, mm -hmm. That's been cancelled now. So 
I'm now looking what else you can do in Edinburgh. Uh, I have a nephew there, so I'll, I'll clearly see him. So I think we're all just doing different things, but from a council is looking ahead to say, okay, what do we do? What do we put on next year? How do we bring, bring uh, life back into the, the town centre, which at the moment is absolutely dead compared to what, where it was? And how do we support businesses to see through that? Mm-hmm. And it's just trying to forward, look ahead and think about the what ifs and all those unknown unknowns. Brilliant. Thank you so much for, for coming and, and taking time of your busy schedule to talk a little bit with me about the situation and trying to look forward. I think that that's, that's a very good message to look forward to the positives that are going to come out of this. And thank you all for listening and I will see you soon. Thanks very much.